Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Justin Shaw, Associate Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Sam Joffrey, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Las Vegas Super Bowl Host Committee. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 24 will be held in Anaheim, California from September 23rd through 26th, 2024. The conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Sports Link Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more information on everything planned at Teams, please visit teamsconference.com. Sam Joffrey is no stranger to the Super Bowl. He has been to every big game since 1997 in some capacity. Whether it was leading a bid for the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation or as a consultant or vendor, Joffrey has a wealth of experience when it comes to the NFL's crown jewel. So when Las Vegas welcomed the Raiders to the city and built world-class Allegiant Stadium four years ago, they needed someone to run point on a Super Bowl bid. The Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority hired Joffrey to be the president and chief executive officer of the successful Las Vegas bid. And now on February 11th, Sin City will host its first Super Bowl. Joffrey and his team have been hard at work to make sure the event is a success and are hopeful that Las Vegas can get into the regular rotation of Super Bowl host venues in the coming years. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. We'll just dive right in. Give us a little background as to why you came to Las Vegas uh, to help with the bid and be a part of this Super Bowl. Well, thanks for having me. And that's a a three-year-old story now, but still pretty kind of a good one. I spent 25 years in New Orleans, having the honor to work on not just the Super Bowls in New Orleans over those years, but helping to attract and manage uh, NBA All-Star Games, Final Fours, College Football National Championship Games, WrestleMania is a couple of those, which were some of my favorites. I had just hit the point where we had bid on New Orleans to host the 2024 Super Bowl, which had to be rebid right after that when they went to a 17-game season. Uh, So I just come off of two back-to-back Super Bowl bids for New Orleans, one for 24 and then again for 25, which created a hole in the uh, calendar for the NFL needing a a host city for 24. Uh, Having just come off of those two bids, I got a phone call from Las Vegas saying uh, we were just invited. And uh, I said, oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, I wonder why. And said, you know, we we haven't done this before and could use some expertise and what would it take to to have you come help us? And I went to my uh, employer at the time, the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, who I'd done this with for 25 years and who is the, kind of the gold standard sustainable organization that becomes the host committees for all these events. And I uh, said, thank you, but I'm stealing my playbook and going to Vegas because there's quite a few things happening that the Super Bowls of, couldn't be a better way to get my foot into this market and work on this bid. So it was a pretty amazing 2021 working on the bid process with the Raiders and the LVCVA and uh, all the casino partners and envisioning what this thing might look like. And then how do we present it on paper to the NFL to, to give them the level of confidence that we could do it. And then, um, you know, w- once it was awarded, then that's when I signed a lease and said, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm Las Vegas now, bleeding black and silver now for good. Uh, when they asked me to to step in as the head of the host committee as well, this is the first Super Bowl for the city. I know there's a lot of excitement from your point of view. What has the anticipation been like uh, within the community? 
from the people working behind the scenes to the fans that you've talked to and everyone in between as we get ready for this big game? There's a real special enthusiasm, expectation, excitement here in the destination that, that is without a doubt fueled by the history of Las Vegas and the NFL. And the fact that, you know, if you lived here for or grew up here or been here for a long time, you know, NFL and Las Vegas forever were not to even be mentioned in the same sentence. Nobody for so long thought that A, we'd have a team, B, we'd be hosting a Super Bowl. It just wasn't a reality. So to see in such a short time frame the Raiders relocation, the build of the stadium, the hosting of the draft, the hosting of the Pro Bowl, the, the awarding of the Super Bowl, that fever pitch really kind of uh, ignited this community with a level of excitement like I've never seen before. So there's a lot of civic pride in how far come as a community over the years with um, in that space. And it's not just Super Bowl, it's other sporting events that are starting to come here now that you have a stadium and it's it's a new era, and I think that is as exciting as the Super Bowl coming um, in itself. But the fact that the Super Bowl is the first major event of this new era adds a level of excitement like uh, any other host city. So I know that we won't have economic numbers until you know months after the game, but do you and the team have any kind of estimate on what you think the economic impact might be? Yeah, I mean, during the bid process, uh, the LVCVA, Convention Business Authority here, commissioned a, an economic impact study to make sure that this is even, you know, a, the right thing to do. That that estimate early on well exceeded $500 million, which is consistent with any host city. But when you take into fact the unique nature of Vegas, that that number we are very confident when, when we do an actual economic impact study, which will include boots on the ground and surveys and real data coming out of Super Bowl, that it's going to it's going to well surpass that. So it's a conservative number worth of five hundred million dollars economic impact just for that weekend. And that doesn't include the media and PR value that's delivered as a destination city doesn't include residual things. Uh, you know, how many people are going to come to this Super Bowl and say, wow, I had no idea Vegas was this alive on Super Bowl weekend with all the level of VIP and hospitality and viewing parties and fever that exists here on any given year. It's already the second biggest year uh, weekend of the year for Las Vegas. So when you shoehorn the actual Super Bowl in on top of that, there's going to be a contingency of people that have never been here for Super Bowl weekend that are going to maybe take a look at that and say, hmm, next year, I think I might want to go back to Vegas and be part of that celebration. Yeah, and that kind of rolls right into my next question, which is, you know, what has the coordination been like between the NFL and the local casinos and hotels? Because uh, like you said, the you know, March Madness is one and, Ve- and Super Bowl is two. I mean, those are the top two weekends in Vegas every year. A lot of people probably don't realize that, that people have been coming out here to watch the game, even though there was no NFL team here for the longest time. How is Vegas going to capitalize on that? Well, that was a really interesting thing during the bid. My first learning, key learning moment here in Vegas is when we started to take a look at the bid documents, which I was very familiar with, but not as familiar with the city, starting to learn that in any other city, hotels provide hotel rooms. That's one part of Super Bowl. It's one silo of Super Bowls. You have to have the hotel rooms for the guests. Then you got to go find the venues. Then you got to work on the operations plans and the security plans and the transportation plans. We identified really quickly here that the infrastructure of Vegas resort partners is that they're not just hotel rooms. They are our special event venues. They are part of our transportation plan. They are part of our security plan because of the, all these little cities within a city that are coming together to host this Super Bowl. So it was a really incredible asset 
and level of cooperation and collaboration that that I don't think you're ever going to see in another city. But to see these 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 resort partners come together and say, yeah, now we're not just hosting people that want to watch the game and, and maybe casually gamble. We're also hosting the the most VIP of VIP clients and events and parties, broadcast sets, and everything else that comes along with it. The resort partners are a key, key part of what we're doing here. So as you prepare, are you and the committee feeling any extra pressure to make the Super Bowl a success so that Las Vegas can become part of the, the regular host rotation for years to come? Oh, without a doubt, that's our mission. That's, that's almost part of our mission, our unofficial mission statement is that on Monday after the Super Bowl, I've said this many times, uh, Monday after the Super Bowl, there's there's a very simple equation for, for our measure of success. On one side of the equation is we want to make sure that the NFL contingency, the owners, the teams, the fans, the media, the sponsors are all leaving Las Vegas saying, wow, Super Bowl should be in Vegas every year. On the other side of that equation, we need to make sure that that Las Vegas and Nevada, that's the, the hotel partners, that's the nonprofits, that's the citizens, the residents, the employees, the workforce, the stadium, the team the Convention Visitors Authority, that everybody on that side of the equation is saying, wow, that was amazing. How fast can we get the Super Bowl back here? So if we can if we can make those two things work, that's certainly our goal. When you look at the, the history of where Super Bowl goes, there are reasons that Miami's hosted 11. There's a reason that New Orleans is hosting its 11th next year. We just have to create that reason why hopefully in a, in a couple of decades, we're saying the same thing as that we're approaching our double digit hosting a Super Bowl number. So obviously you're very familiar with New Orleans. Uh, like you said, you did all kinds of different events there for many years. What has the planning for this Super Bowl in Vegas been like compared to your time in New Orleans? I, I see a lot of similarities there, a lot a lot of parties and a lot of hospitality in both cities. They're very alike in a lot of ways, but what has the planning been like for this Super Bowl compared to New Orleans? You know, the biggest difference between New Orleans and Vegas is, well, A, the number of major, large, six-figure attendee event numbers that Vegas hosts per year, the capacity that they have for hotel rooms, the capacity they have for venues. So in a lot of Super Bowl host cities, when you're bidding, you take a look at some of the core requirements. You have to have a convention center that can host the fan experience and the media center. Well, in some host cities, you have that convention center and you start there and you build your plan out from there because that's the only convention center you've got. Here in Vegas, we had to evaluate four different options on how to how to configure that here. There's a convention center here that has 4 million square feet alone. You've got convention centers at Mandalay Bay, at Venetian. You know, every property here has huge ballrooms, huge convention meeting space. Honestly, having all those assets, the 150,000 hotel rooms compared to, you know, the 25,000 that we had to contract for the NFL, you have a wide variety of options for that. You're not trying to go get 100% of every hotel in the city to get to the number you need for Super Bowl, you're being a little more strategic in how you break those rooms up and also in how you approach the the, the resort partners and say, we don't need you to give up 100% of your hotel room. We just need you to give us this percentage and we'll get to our number. And then that allows you to kind of spread the wealth out a little bit and everybody gets to realize the benefits of not just hosting Super Bowl, but still hosting their annual customers that come every year uh, that make this such a sustainable model for Super Bowl every year. So what have your experiences in New Orleans taught you about planning a Super Bowl or large sporting event that will be valuable for you in this process? Since there really is no playbook here in Las Vegas, 
you know the playbook from uh, from New Orleans and other cities, but you know what kind of expertise are you able to give some of these people in the committee who have never done this before? Well, I think during the bid process, it was important to have somebody who knew not just the bid process, but the bid philosophies, what resonates with the NFL, what's important to them, the relationships that come there with the NFL, the trust that comes to know that when we say we can do something for this amount or that we can do this over here, that they know that there's some experience behind that. And it's not just a throwing a dart against the wall on that. So, you know, that that I think was very advantageous during the bid process. But then the setup of the host committee structure here, because the first major event that's had a host committee. So we're a standalone 501c6 nonprofit organization that had to assemble upwards of 300 community members in every area of expertise that we need to lend to the NFL to volunteer their time to help make sure we get the transportation right, uh, media and PR professionals, volunteer professionals from around the destination, and being able to quickly put together those committees, stand in front of them on day one and say, here's exactly what we need you to do. We need you to help recruit, manage, and appreciate the volunteer force that we're going to build. Or we need you to help make sure the messaging that we want the, the media to latch on to about Las Vegas is is heard loud and clear and the hospitality we provide them is next to none. Being able to have, you know, we had a very short runway here with a two-year hosting period. Usually you got about a three or four-year period to start to get ready for an ex- experienced city. So for Vegas's first Super Bowl to do it in two years really required that community engagement. Be able to stand those committees up quickly, educate them quickly, and get them to work right away, I think was a big uh, advantage um, instead of trying to build the plane as we're flying. So now over all the years in New Orleans with not just Super Bowl, but NBA All-Star Games, WrestleMania, Final Four, all the things you've worked on, what are some of the best practices that you've learned over the years when it comes to to planning any large sporting event? I love that you threw WrestleMania in there because that's a that's one of my favorite examples and one of the one of the events that often gets overlooked, but the cultural fit between WrestleMania in a city like Vegas or a city like New Orleans is unlike no other. And it's a fever pitch event that uh, is pretty amazing. Creating a frictionless experience for the guest, trying to relieve any type of pain points from the time they arrive and get off the airplane to their experience over the weekend, which Super Bowl can be a challenging. Most of these major events can be challenging over the weekend, not necessarily for the event, but you know the, the the competitive nature of trying to get hotel reservations or or get a ride share or get across town from here to here on time. There's always going to be traffic. I don't care what city it is. There's always going to be Super Bowl traffic on Friday and Saturday night. So really, it's about paying attention to those details to where you may not get it 100% right, but you're the overall impression that people leave with was that was a frictionless experience and I'm willing to come back. So a lot of that best practices from New Orleans was how do we design things so that people can walk, that they can enjoy the weekend at their pace um, instead of having to be waiting for a bus at a specific time, creating that environment where people can do more than one thing a night too, that I can go to this party and then that party and then go check out this attraction. So it's it's about it's about not ignoring everything that doesn't happen on Sunday because Sunday you can put a lot of planning into it, design where the shuttles were picking up and going, how people are getting in the stadium and how they're getting back and what their experience is like on campus. But those Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, are kind of wild cards because there's so much stuff that happens in the destination that 
even the NFL and the host committee aren't even aware of until the last second. So it's really anticipating the circus that's, that's arriving. So what from your time at the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation still resonates with you today? What Do you have any favorite events or memories of things that you've done there? You know, what, what was your time like there? You know, every major event in New Orleans had a special moment, certainly some better than others was certainly in the building for the third quarter of the Super Bowl in 2013 when the lights went out. But, you know, it, it was a great learning moment. And it is actually a big success story at the end of the day when you when you know the other side of the story that, yes, the lights went out, but within 18 minutes they had diagnosed and fixed the problem in a calm, calculated fashion and got that game back on is actually, at the end of the day, a pretty big key learning moment on how to handle a crisis like that. But some of my favorite favorite memories were certainly WrestleMania. I think that we hosted that for the first time in 2014. We treated it exactly like we would have a Super Bowl or a Final Four. It was reciprocated by the WWE. It was appreciated by the fans. There were smiles on faces all weekend long. And then the biggest testimony was that that about two weeks later, we got on a plane. We flew back up to, to Stanford and represented and said, we want you back. And we want you back as quick as possible and got them to agree to come back in 2018, like right out of the gate, which was a great testimony to how we uh, how we managed that event and how successful it was. So it's sometimes it's sometimes it's the not the event itself, but it's when you go back and you get them to say we're coming back. That is the biggest testimony to uh, to the success of the event. So. I know we had that happen with quite a few events to where uh, NBA All-Star Game was another good example of how we hosted them. And then when they needed somebody, we were able to turn around real quick and come back and host them again a couple of years later. Those are my favorite memories was the two parts of the equation. There's the hosting, but there's also the, the bidding and attracting them back. And being able to do that is a, a great testimony to, to what kind of job you've done. Yeah, I, I went to WrestleMania this last year. I covered it for sports travel, and that was the first time I'd ever been there. And as I told my friends, you know, six-year-old me was geeking out. Well, you don't have to watch wrestling at all throughout the year. But if you go to WrestleMania, and I'm a former theater guy from a former life, and the level of spectacle and the level of theater there, or I should say as common denominator and simple of dramatic storytelling as it is, the level of production, the level of excitement they build, and that community of fans that come together, not just to cheer for a third down stop, but to cheer because they know what's going on. The, you know, the hero versus heel moments and the, the countdown moments and when to, when to express their displeasure, I think is a really cool communal experience that's just heightened by the the laser lights and the holograms and the, the level of production, the, the set size and stage is just amazing. So you said that when you did the first WrestleMania in New Orleans in 2014, you treated it as a Final Four or a Super Bowl. So when you're compare when you're doing a Super Bowl in Vegas, what's that like compared to those other events? Is it the same playbook for a WrestleMania, a Final Four? Yeah, yeah, they're obviously much. They're great differentiators, but the model of a host committee can be as as large and inclusive as it needs to be for an event like Super Bowl, to where we've got 300 committee members. You know, our media and PR committee has 25 members. Our community affairs committee has 30 members. Our transportation committee has 30 members because the size and scale of the event. Taking that same model and reducing it down for WrestleMania to make sure that we're still touching all those areas, but maybe with a tighter crew of people 
but the same frequency and cadence of meetings, the same level of attention being paid, doing a lot of those special things like educating and getting drivers excited to drive fans around, educating them on the event, things like that, that level of attention that only a host committee can really do because a host city has day-to-day business. They're still trying to go out and get other events. They're still entertaining uh, or hosting trade shows and exhibitions and in-house groups for hotels. So having the host committee who's day in, day out, living, breathing, eating that event is what we would translate on different scales to a WrestleMania or a NBA All-Star Game or an AAU Junior Olympics. Another one that big undertaking requires a host committee, but maybe not as big of a host committee as the Super Bowl. So as far as the community involvement here, you, you said previously that you thought it would require about 9,000 volunteers to, to pull this off from the community. But when I talked to you in August, you said that, that the response had been very strong. What are the numbers looking like now? And, and what was the response from the community when volunteers were asked for? So the amazing part of that was that we had planned historically, based on my experience, about a six-month recruitment period. And that's usually six months worth of sending out our interns and our staff to fairs, festivals, street corners, community events with a tent and saying, please come help and and volunteer for Super Bowl. Here's why. We told that story for about a month before we went live with our recruiting. We opened up our website and I, I don't have the numbers here at the tip of my tongue, but we were done right out of the gate. We had more than we needed or had planned for in our recruitment window suddenly change. It's like, okay, now we can start putting people on a wait list. We can maybe create some extra opportunities or we can ask for people to take fewer shifts because we can use more volunteers for fewer shifts. That 9,000 target was always contemplated to have to fill so many shifts over so many days, so many uniforms, etc. But the fact that we recruited so many and then knowing that you're always going to have attrition, people move, they change jobs, they can't do it. We still continued recruitment and signing people up. I don't think that right now there is a volunteer that signed up that if they wanted to shift, we're not able to get one. Is that typical from other communities that it fills up that fast or was this kind of easy compared to some of the other places you've been? You know, a lot of it is the first Super Bowl here in Vegas and everybody wants to be a part of it. So you may not be at the game with a ticket. You may not be on the field working as a chain guy. You may not be part of the halftime show, but to be part of the celebration all week long in proximity to all the events, helping the host committee do what we need to do. I think everybody has a civic pride here that they want to be part of the first Super Bowl. And I think that's a bragging right that that you carry for life. I know that I, I, I love hearing stories that people go, you know, my first Super Bowl was back in 1992 and it was this team versus that team. And I was a I was an usher or I was, a you know, I, I got to drive coaches around or do whatever. And there's there's a permanent sense of pride there. After you've hosted your 10th Super Bowl, you have a core group of volunteers that you know you can do it with, but you have new generations of people that want to come on and join it. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with how fast we recruited them, but also not 100% surprised uh, just because of the, the, the enthusiasm we'd seen building up here with all the talk about Super Bowl and how can I be involved in the number of inquiries we got. So I think some of that is attributed to the first Super Bowl here, but hopefully – like our other goal, those volunteers have such a good time that when the final four rolls around or a college football championship rolls around, we've now got that database to say, if you enjoyed working Super Bowl, there are other opportunities for other sporting events moving forward. You know, I read something that the Las Vegas committee members, some of them were on the ground in Glendale last year uh, in Arizona for that Super Bowl to kind of learn the job. 
how many of the committee members roughly were down there and and what what did you want them to see here experience so that they would kind of be more ready this year so we've got an executive committee of nine and then i've got 11 subcommittees that make up every one of those obligations from transportation to volunteers to media and pr so for la two years ago we took a core group of our executive committee members to kind of see learn meet talk and really kind of put their eyes on the behind the scenes stuff of super bowl that you don't see in the broadcast how much production space you need, how many corporate parties there are around town, what the transportation plans are like, and you kind of experience that firsthand. Then for Phoenix the next year, we expanded that group. We started bringing those committee chairs so they could see firsthand, this is what a media center looks like. This is where all these thousands of members of media are working and the opportunity that we have to engage with them or talk to the volunteers on the street to see how their experience was and and what we should be thinking about next year. Obviously, had a very big public safety contingency there last year. So I think our group last year was about 44 people total, a much closer, more scrutinized eye on on operations and the overall experience. So the last question I'll ask you here is a, is one you can get a, you know, a little fun with. What was your favorite Super Bowl you've attended? I know you said you've attended every one since 1997 in some capacity or sometimes with several hats on. What's your favorite one and why? That's a pretty easy question. Uh, Saints Colts, as a born and raised in New Orleans and having some black and gold run through my veins, that one lined up perfectly because we just got Super Bowl awarded, just coming off the bid process to get Super Bowl awarded for 2013. So we were there wearing a couple of hats. I had my staff there working the media center. I had some executive committee members there with us to start to look at how different is Super Bowl here in 2013 as it was in 2002 when we last hosted to see that growth. But then to be able to uh, be the one Super Bowl where I actually sat in a seat and watched the game from beginning to end. It's the only game that I've watched from beginning to end um, in all those years. And the outcome was pretty sweet, too. Well, thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate you joining me today and, and giving us all this wonderful insight on uh, Las Vegas's first Super Bowl. As someone who uh, is located here in Henderson, I, I know that everyone's very excited and can't wait for next month. But uh, we really appreciate you taking some time to, to speak with us today. Happy to do so. I look forward to seeing you in the Media Center in February. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports events industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Justin Shaw for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.